Genesis uh, chapter 6, start from 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Jumping ahead to verse 17. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. You and your sons and wife and your sons' wives with you. Now going to Luke chapter 6, starting from 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by their own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show them what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Um, a few years ago, I was walking through a car park. It was a, it was a stinking hot day. It would have been about 40 degrees. It's a bit hard to imagine today. And I saw a car with uh, one of those bumper stickers on the back of it that says, Ban Live Export. Um, but then, see if you can pick up the irony in this. I, I also saw that the, the owner had left their dog in the back seat of the car on a, on a 40 degree day and the poor dog was was cooking in the back seat and it, it, it's ironic isn't it you know how, how can you complain about the suffering 
of animals and, and make a big thing about it uh, when you're happy to let your own dog roast in the back of your car on a hot summer's day. Uh, it's the very definition of, of hypocrisy right there. Uh, and there's something very, very jarring about hypocrisy, isn't there? We, we, we hate it when we see it. And, and so it's a big relief to read this passage and see that Jesus hates hypocrisy as much as we do. And not just that, but Jesus tells people not to judge. I mean, who, who likes being judged, right? Jesus' words here, they, they seem to really resonate with our culture today. Or do they? Because when, when we dig to the heart of what Jesus is saying in this passage about what, what it means to follow him, it gets uncomfortable very quickly. Uh, we're picking things up just after Jesus has called his 12 main disciples to follow him. Um, and it's an upside-down way of life that he's calling them to. It's, it's one where the people who are truly blessed are the ones who are suffering for Jesus. It's one where we don't just treat our friends well, but we treat our enemies just as well. And as Jesus brings this challenging sermon to a close, he shows us that true discipleship is about looking at other people, looking at ourselves, but ultimately it's about looking at Jesus. And so firstly, following Jesus shapes the way that we look at other people. He kicks off there in verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. So if you don't judge other people, I won't judge you. Is that what Jesus is saying here? I think this is the Jesus that lots of people are really comfortable with. A, a Jesus who just wants us all to do what seems right to us and to not, to not criticize one another. But it's not exactly what Jesus is saying here. And, and, and that becomes clear a few verses later uh, when he gives this illustration. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, he asks, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your, your brother's eye. Now, it's, it's a ridiculous picture, isn't it? There's a guy with a massive house beam sticking out of his eye, and he's trying to fish a bit of sawdust out of, out of someone else's eye. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but the point here is, don't have a judgmental, hypocritical heart. Don't be that person who's exposing the flaws of other people while completely ignoring your own. Don't, don't be that person who's making a big song and dance about the treatment of animals when, you, when your dog is locked in your car on a 40-degree day. Uh, notice, though, Jesus here, he's not saying to ignore the speck in your brother's eye. Because... Having a speck in your eye is still, it's still a problem, right? It's, it's a loving thing to do to, to make sure that that speck at some point gets removed. Uh, and in that, in that same way, that there are going to be times when we need to make a judgment about someone else uh, to correct them or to help them. But we need to avoid having the sort of judgmental heart that's fixated on what's wrong with other people. Uh, which is quite a countercultural way of life when you think about it. Because, you know, even though we don't like being judged, we live in a, an incredibly judgmental culture. 
You really just have to go online and, and read the comments on almost any online news story that you can find to see that. And, and it's not just out there, is it? The, the judgmentalism isn't just out there. It's, it's in here as well. Being judgmental gives us, a, gives us a nice feeling of superiority sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, you know, instinctively, I'd, I'd rather judge someone than forgive them because, well, it's easier and it's, and it's more fun as well. So if, if we're being honest, if, when I told that story at the start about the dog in the car, we all kind of judged that person who owned that car, didn't we? We, we had that sense that, you know, I would never leave a dog in a car. Um, we just, we do naturally judge and that's, that defines us in many ways as a society. So the question is, where does this land for us as a church? What, what differences do these words of Jesus make to us as a church? Well, I think for starters, we should be careful judging and critiquing other churches. You know, as, as if we're the perfect church who, who every other church in the world is measured against. Uh, we need to be humble in that way. Uh, it also shapes how we disagree with each other about particular things as well. Uh, there's always going to be a different issue going on that, that we can disagree with, isn't there? So last year, it was COVID restrictions. Uh, perhaps this year, it's the, the voice to parliament. There'll be something different next year as well. There'll, be, there'll, be, there'll always be things that we can disagree about, always things to divide us. Uh, the question is, can we graciously disagree about these things without, without any sense of superiority towards people that hold a different opinion to us? Because if we can't do that, well, there's no good laughing at the guy with the plank in his eye, is there? Uh, Jesus warns us not to have a judgmental heart towards the people around us. And he says to his disciples, as you look at other people, as you look at the other people around you, you need to be looking at yourselves as well. Uh, So he tells this parable to his disciples. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Uh, and Jesus is asking here, what sort of followers of me are you going to be? What sort of leaders of my people are you going to be? If you're not following me, then, then you're not going to be able to lead other people to follow me. Uh, he's, he's telling us here, we need to watch our lives carefully. Uh, And even deeper than that, we need to watch our hearts carefully as well because our words and our actions overflow out of our hearts. A life of following Jesus, it's going to flow from a heart that loves Jesus, uh, which is the point of the next illustration he tells his disciples. No good tree bears bad fruit, Jesus says, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If a tree has got apples growing on it, it's, it's probably an apple tree, isn't it? I'll give you that one for free. In the same way, a life of good words and good actions flows out of a good heart. And a life of bad words and bad actions flows out of a bad heart. 
And I wonder if when Jesus speaks these words, at the back of his mind, he's, he's got the Pharisees and the other religious leaders of that day who, we, who we've met a bit over the last few weeks. Uh, these, were, these were people who, who, lots of people would have looked up to them. They were, they were impressive people. And yet Jesus has just exposed how judgmental and, and, and how hypocritical their hearts are. And, he, and he's saying, if you follow them, you'll end up the same. It'll be like the blind leading the blind. And so a couple of questions for, for all of us come out of this. And the, the first one is, how are you living? How are you living? If you're a follower of Jesus, people will be watching how you follow Jesus. Uh, I've got a two-year-old son called Rory, and, and when, we, when he's along here, he, he's just in awe of the kids who are older than him, the, the kids who can throw a basketball all the way up to the basketball ring. He, he loves them. He, he loves following them around. He loves watching them play. Um, some of these kids are barely school age. And as he's watching them do this, he, he's watching how they live as well. So even our five-year-olds here are leaders. Uh, we've got a number of high schoolers here who have been helping out in our Trinity Kids program and, and in our minis program, which is, which is great having our teenagers involved like that. Uh, if that's you, just know that those kids are going to, to learn from you, not just, not just during the, the Trinity Kids class, but, but beforehand and afterwards as well. They're, get, they're going to be watching the way that you live. And for parents, this is, this is the really scary one. Our, our kids are watching how we live for Jesus. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian church to follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Is that something that we can say with integrity? Follow me as I follow Jesus. Are we watching our hearts carefully? Is there envy or anger or, or unhealthy desires or, or anything else in our hearts that shouldn't be there, but, but we're comfortable letting it sit there? Is who I am in private drifting further and further away from who I allow people to see me as in public? Are, are there things in my heart that I need to bring before God and, and repent of before they overflow into my life and cause damage? Uh, so that's the first question. How are you living? The second question is, who am I following? Who's shaping your walk with Jesus? Now, the best person to follow isn't always going to be the most impressive person. Lots of really impressive people have done damage to churches. They've, they've harmed people in all sorts of ways. Uh, and lots of unimpressive people have been faithful and godly examples who God has used to point people to Jesus. What really matters is character. So follow someone who's following Jesus and, and be honest with yourself about what you're seeing in their life. Are they producing good fruit? Are they faithfully following Jesus? I'm really thankful as a young pastor in a, in a network of churches to to have senior pastors like, like Stephen here and uh, Paul Harrington, our, our network pastor, who, who I can follow as they follow Jesus. Now, I'm thankful to have David, one of my old Bible college lecturers who I can catch up with from time to time. He's a really humble and godly guy. Uh, it's great to be able to have him able to speak into my life. And, you know, as much as I'm up the front, 
with a microphone preaching to all of you, you all lead me in lots of ways as well. It's an example to me as, a, as I watch you disciple your children, as I watch you love and care for one another, as I, as I see you trust God in the midst of suffering and uncertainty. We, we, we lead each other in lots of ways. Uh, so true discipleship shapes how we look at other people. It shapes how we look at ourselves. And ultimately, it shapes how we look at Jesus as well. Because as we look at other people and as we look at ourselves, we ultimately need to be looking at Jesus. He's the one we're ultimately following. Uh, in verse uh, 46 there, Jesus, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Uh, it's a warning Jesus is giving here that there are going to be people who, who present as followers of Jesus, but, but they're not really living for him. Uh, it's a bit like me telling Alicia, my wife, that, that I love her, but, but they're never actually doing anything that demonstrates that love at all. I love you, but look, flowers are expensive and cooking dinner takes time and changing nappies is pretty gross. I don't want to do that, but, but I love you. Not, it's not really true love, is it? And in the same way, true discipleship is about hearing Jesus' words and obeying them. Uh, Jesus says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And it was well illustrated by Stephen just before. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Now, we've seen the, the devastation of floods recently, particularly, particularly in the last year or so in Australia. Um, so Jesus is saying here, he's making a couple of points, and, and we heard this in the All Ages spot as well, that as, that as we hear Jesus' words and put them into practice, it, it does help us in day-to-day -day life. It, it helps us with the, the challenges and the ups and downs that life brings. Um, but he's also making an even more serious point as well. Uh, we saw in our Old Testament reading that, that when God sent the flood back in Noah's day, it, it was more than just a bit of bad weather that, that people had to deal with. It, it was judgment. And the only people who survived that judgment were the ones who heard and obeyed God's words, the ones who built the ark and got into it. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Judgment is coming. Some people will stand firm but other people are going to be swept away. The one who hears my words, Jesus says, and does not put them into practice, is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And we saw that very visually just before. Uh, so whether we stand or fall on that day is, is going to depend on how we've responded to Jesus' words. True followers of Jesus are those who hear his words, build our lives on them, and stand firm on that day. Um, so, so to put it all together, Jesus calls us to follow him and, and calls us to a very hard way of living, a very countercultural way of living when we do follow him. And then he gives us this dramatic warning at the end of, of whether we'll stand firm or not, which, putting that all together, could leave us feeling quite anxious quite uncertain. You know, maybe, maybe you're here, you're, you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you think, well, I'm trying my best to, to put his words into practice and to get it right, but, 
But have I done enough? Have I done enough? What about all those times that I get it wrong? Or you might be here just, just checking church out, checking out what it's, what it's all about and thinking, well, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but I could never live that good a life. What's, what's the point of trying? What we have to remember is that the call to follow Jesus is one that is grounded in grace. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks back, back in chapter 5, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So in other words, Jesus came to save people who recognize their sin, who recognize their need for Jesus, and repent and start following him. These are the people he calls to follow him. These are the people he went to the cross to save. Not perfect people, but but people who recognize their need for him. Uh, Jesus has told us no student is above their teacher. He knows that this side of heaven, nobody is going to follow him perfectly. And so putting his words into practice means a life that's, that's flowing out of a repentant heart in light of the gospel. To live under his grace, knowing that I'm a sinner, knowing that Jesus died for me, knowing that I, I could never, ever have done enough to save myself. And in response committing to turning from my sin and living with Jesus as my king. Now, there's a balance here, and, and we have to, to understand this balance. See, on the one hand, we, we can't save ourselves. None of us can save ourselves. I've, I've got more chance of leaping from Henley Beach to Kangaroo Island in one jump than, than I do of living a good enough life to save myself. Um, we've got a sinful nature, which means that we won't live perfectly. We need Jesus. Only he can save us. Uh, but on the other hand, when we grasp what Jesus has done for us, laying down his life to rescue us, we'll want to live for him. We'll want to obey him. If we're not putting his words into practice, if there's a, a willingness in my life to, to ignore his words, or, or if, there are, if, if I'm entirely comfortable with parts of my life that, that don't line up with his words, then have I truly understood what he's done for me? Have I genuinely repented? I hope you can see the, the, the balance there between our complete dependence on grace, but also the importance of obedience. Uh, we saw earlier uh, Jesus when he was telling us not to judge, he also said, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now he's not saying that if you treat people like this, God will pay back the favor like for like. He's, he's saying, look at how God has treated you and do likewise. How can I judge or, or condemn someone in an unloving way when Jesus has died to take my condemnation. How can I not forgive someone when, when all of my sin has been forgiven? How can I not be generous when I've received so much? Now, I realize those are all very hard things to do, um, particularly given, given some of the circumstances. And, and so it's no surprise that these are countercultural values in our world. Because the motivation to live like this comes from knowing the grace that we've received. 
knowing the, the forgiveness and the riches that we have in Jesus. The measure that we use for others is the same measure that's used on us. And that measure is grace. Now, if we've accepted and responded to this, this grace that God has given us in Jesus, if, if we've built our lives on Jesus' words, uh, then we'll stand firm. We'll be saved on that last day. We'll escape God's judgment. Uh, but if we ignore his words, then, then we won't. And what that means is that even though Jesus warns us not to be judgmental towards other people in our hearts, we do still need to make discerning judgments about other people. Because it's loving to, to point people to Jesus' words when they need to hear them. Or, or to make the same point more strongly, it's, it's unloving not to point people to Jesus' words when they need to hear them. It's loving for us to, to correct other Christians when, when they're deviating from obedience to Jesus. We need one another's help to stay on track. Now, there's this great little verse in the book of Proverbs uh, 27 verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Now, in other words, some, sometimes we need to speak painful words in love to one another. Uh, which is very different from speaking painful words uh, not in a loving way. Uh, but it's different with people who don't follow Jesus. Uh, that's, that's a different situation. Because if someone doesn't follow Jesus, then there's not much point judging their behavior by Christian standards. It, it's, it's no good expecting them to look like a Christian on the outside. Because it begins with the heart. Uh, the inside change has to happen first. That's, that's the point Jesus is making, that, that, that our hearts overflow into our lives. Uh, what is loving in that situation is to show them who Jesus is, uh, to show them what he's done, to show them that he's worth following, to show them that he's worth listening to and obeying. And, if, and with Easter coming up, it's a great opportunity to invite people along for them to, to come along and to hear that. Uh, so true discipleship, Jesus is saying, it's, it's about looking at other people, it's about looking at ourselves, but ultimately it's about looking at Jesus. It's about showing mercy and generosity towards others instead of judgmentalism. And it's about carefully watching our own hearts and carefully watching our own lives as we build our lives on Jesus' words. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the precious words of Jesus, words which ask a lot of us, but words which are grounded in the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, and the generosity that you've shown each one of us through your Son. And we pray that you'd help us to hear these words, to put them into practice, and to bear fruit in our lives that's pleasing and honoring to you. And we ask that you guard our hearts from judgmentalism, that you grow in us a love for Jesus that overflows into all parts of our lives. Amen.